I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Renaissance English History Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Tesco. I'm a storyteller who makes history accessible because I believe the pathway to understanding who we are, our place in the universe, and being much more deeply in touch with our own humanity. This is episode 216, I think. And you know what? I'm having a lot of fun with the Pole family, which is not a sentence that you say every day. Uh, but I am. And also, recently over on my YouTube channel, we talked to Nathan Amin about the princes in the tower. And there is a connection here, I promise. And it caught me thinking about another missing royal who went missing in the tower. And that is Henry Pohl, who is bringing together then my recent infatuation with the Pohl family and missing people in the tower. That could be like a series in and of itself. Missing people in the tower. Anyway. So that was a fun interview with Nathan Amin. If you haven't seen it yet, go over and check it out on my YouTube channel. I'm going to release it here eventually as well. I just need to do a little bit of editing of it, which I will get to. And that was a chat for members of the YouTube channel. Welcome to the newest members of my brand new YouTube membership. Uh, That's Teresa, Leanne, Cindy, and Alexandra. Welcome, welcome. Members of the YouTube channel get extra episodes, fun emojis, extra gifts. If you join at the highest level, you get a free TudorCon streaming ticket. So it's a great way to support the podcast on a platform that many people use, uh, where it's really easy. Just click join now or join channel, and it's super easy, and you can support the podcast while also getting some fun little perks, including live author chats on the regular and extra episodes. In fact, the next members only episode, which is going to drop uh, later this weekend, both for YouTube members and patrons on my Patreon, is another side of the Pole family as well, Arthur Pole. And in fact, there are two Arthur Poles, uh, different generations. And we're going to talk about those two Arthur Poles in this week's member only minicast. All right, my friends. Let us get into it with Henry Pohl. Oh, and one other quick note. A psych. <laughs> Let's get into it. No psych. I still have a couple of tutor planners. If you want to check out the tutor planner, uh, you know, we did the crowdfunder and I pre-sell a bunch of them over the summer and then whatever's left over, I sell in my shop. 
So I still have, uh, there's about a hundred of them or so. Uh, they will probably sell out. But if you want to get one for Christmas, tutorfair.com. They make a great Christmas gift. Uh, and Or I'll, I'll have them in January as well. I mean, obviously I'll have them until I don't. So I can't promise I'll have them in January because I don't know. I'll have them until I don't. They're there. You can get one or you can't. That's the story. All right. In the annals of history, there are moments that capture our imagination, stories that echo through the ages and mysteries that defy explanation. One enigma unfolds within the walls of the Tower of London, a place known for secrets, whispers, and hidden chapters of intrigue throughout history. Today, we're going to continue our discussion of a time when royal blood was both a blessing and a curse and when children were caught up in the tapestry of political machinations. We're going to talk about a boy who's about 13, a teenager, bearing the unmistakable legacy of the Plantagenets. This young boy was alone. He was frozen with fear. He was filled with dread, and he was led into the most innermost recesses of the Tower of London. He was no longer surrounded by his servants. He is left to navigate the dark corridors of the Tower, a place where ghosts of countless prisoners linger, a place that has witnessed the rise and the fall of kings and queens. But this is not one of the princes in the tower. No, this story revolves around another figure, a lesser-known character whose name has been overshadowed by history's more famous intrigues. But Henry wasn't just any regular, normal boy. He was the grandson of Margaret Pole, Countess of Salisbury, a woman who was herself the daughter of the Duke of Clarence, which made Henry directly related to the Plantagenet royal family, the Plantagenets whose loyalty to the Tudor monarchy would be tested in unimaginable ways. His family's story is one of endurance, of loyalty, of resilience, of questionable loyalty amidst the ever-shifting tides of Tudor England. While the princes in the tower have long captured our collective fascination, Henry Pole the Younger's story has remained for the most part concealed in the shadows of history, just like he himself is. Today, we are going to unveil the mysteries surrounding this forgotten figure, delve into the narrative that challenges our understanding of the Tudor period, exploring the twists and turns of Henry's life within the Tower confines, and his story that has largely remained untold and overshadowed by some of the other more high-profile ones. So let's get into it. First, we're going to talk about his family, the Pole family, which we've been talking about a lot on this podcast recently. Not as commonly known as the Tudors or the Plantagenets, but they held a very prominent place in the intricate web of English nobility. At its heart stood Margaret Pole, Countess of Salisbury, a remarkable figure who wove her destiny amidst the changing currents of Tudor England. Her family tree bore the unmistakable marks of Plantagenet royalty. Her father was George, Duke of Clarence, a man whose life ended tragically. He was plotting against his own brother, Edward IV, and probably died in a barrel of Malmsey wine. That's the story. Who knows? His mother, Isabel Neville, was from the famed Neville family, known to history as the Kingmaker's clan. So Margaret Pole was born into a lineage of privilege and peril, a family with a knack for being in close proximity to the throne and its associated intrigues. We're going to talk about Margaret's early years just very briefly. If you want to learn more about her, I have several episodes about her, which I will link to in the show notes. But her early years were marked by adversity and upheaval. She was orphaned. 
when her father met his untimely demise. She and her younger brother, Edward, were entrusted to the care of their uncles, Edward IV and Richard III. But when the Plantagenets fell from grace at the Battle of Bosworth Field in 1485, Margaret found herself in the protective custody of Lady Margaret Beaufort and the new Tudor clan. Margaret of Salisbury was married off to Sir Richard Pole, a loyal Tudor supporter. This union was a strategic match. It was also a reflection of Margaret's position within the shifting landscape of Tudor politics. Henry VIII's ascent to the throne brought renewed favor to the Pole family, for the young king restored Margaret's title as the Countess of Salisbury in her own name. So she had this title on her own, not dependent on her husband. The Poles, who had been so impoverished that they had to borrow money to pay for Sir Richard's funeral, now found themselves back in royal favor. But then things turned a little bit sour for the Poles and for Margaret because the family stayed loyal to Catherine of Aragon and Princess Mary. Margaret was the governess and the godmother of the young princess, cementing her position as a trusted figure within the Tudor court until Anne Boleyn came along. She was also devoted to the Catholic faith, and so she had a conservative adherence to traditional beliefs, which put her on a collision course with Henry VIII as he pursued his quest for marital and religious change. Her son, Reginald Pole, I talked about in episodes as well, wrote a book denouncing the king's marriage to Anne Boleyn, and that would set off a chain of events that would deeply impact the Pole family. So now let's talk about the heart of the mystery, a mystery that has lingered in the shadow of history's more prominent enigmas, such as the fate of the princes in the tower. The disappearance of Henry Poole the Younger remains shrouded in obscurity with scant details to illuminate a path of his tragic journey within the Tower of London. First and foremost, even the age of Henry Poole the Younger remains a subject of speculation. He might have been a boy of 13 on the cusp of adolescence, or he was an older teenager, maybe even up to 18. The absence of concrete information about his age only adds to the mystery that cloaks his story. However, the fact that he was not executed alongside his father, Henry Poole Lord Montague, suggests that he belonged to the younger end of the spectrum. We'll examine the circumstances surrounding his disappearance. One chilling possibility emerges from the narrative, starvation. It's been suggested that young Henry may have met his end through a cruel and agonizing process of slowly starving, deprived of sustenance in the confines of the tower. Whether it was a deliberate act or the result of neglect, the outcome remains a dark stain on the history of Hooters. Here we encounter a striking contrast with the princes in the tower whose disappearance captured the imagination of generations. The princes, Edward V and Richard, Duke of York, are remembered with endless debates, theories, and fictional retellings. There was just the Channel 4 documentary. Their fate has been the subject of intense scrutiny with theories ranging from murder to secret escape. In contrast, Henry Poole, the younger story, has been largely relegated to the shadows, receiving only a fraction of the attention given to the royal brothers. What sets these two cases apart, and why has Henry's fate not elicited the same outcry and debate? The answer perhaps lies in the politics of the time. Richard III, often accused of involvement in the prince's disappearance, has been a contentious figure throughout history. In contrast, Henry VIII, the reigning monarch when Henry Poole the Younger vanished, is often remembered for other aspects of his tumultuous reign, such as his marriages and disillusion of the monasteries. 
The narrative surrounding Henry VIII tends to overshadow the lesser-known tragedies that unfolded during his rule. The lack of outcry and denunciation regarding Henry the Younger's fate raises intriguing questions about historical narratives and the selective memory of the past. While the princes in the tower have been the focus of relentless scrutiny and debate, Henry Pole the Younger's enigmatic disappearance has remained muted, a story that challenges our understanding of Tudor England. So, of course, the downfall of the Poles started when Margaret and the family, their loyalty stayed with Catherine of Aragon and her daughter, Princess Mary, that I just said she had been the governess and godmother of Princess Mary. Trouble really started to brew when her son, Reginald Pole, a cardinal, a learned academic, educated at Henry's expense, authored a book in 1536 titled Pro Ecclesiastice Unitas Defensione. This work denounced Henry's marriage to Anne Boleyn and his religious policies. It should be noted that Reginald wrote that from the safety of the continent. He was not in England when he wrote it. And the Pole family, still living in England, his family, uh, found themselves suffering the wrath of Henry for the book that their family member wrote. The Pole family found themselves in disfavor. Their correspondence was read. They were spied on. Margaret and her family withdrew from court. They tried to keep their heads down and avoid further trouble. However, in 1538, the so-called Exeter conspiracy was unveiled. In August, Margaret's youngest son, Geoffrey, was arrested and sent to the tower. I did an episode on the Exeter conspiracy as well recently because I've been obsessed with the Pole family. And basically, you know, there was a potential rebellion that involved Geoffrey and the Poles. In November of 1538, Henry Poole, along with his wife's uncle, Edward Neville, and other relatives were arrested on a charge of treason by Henry VIII, although even Thomas Cromwell at the time had previously written that they had, quote, little offended save that he is of their kin. Reginald was still in exile at this time. Henry Poole the, the Elder was committed to the Tower of London. Henry was attainted and his honors forfeited on the 2nd of December, 1538. Henry Poole, the father, was executed in 1539, in January of 1539. Of course, his mother, Lady Salisbury, stayed in captivity for another two years. And she was herself executed at age 67 in the tower in May of 1541. There was a huge outcry against Lady Salisbury, against Margaret Pole's execution. People were disgusted by it. And that might have been part of the reason why the king didn't want to risk even more unfavorable public opinion and didn't execute Henry Poole the Younger. So Henry, young Henry, was committed to the tower at the same time as his father. And it was expected that he would follow his grandmother to the block. But like I just said, Henry probably didn't want to risk negative public opinion after what happened with Lady Margaret. So in 1540, both Margaret and Henry were denied pardons that they had requested. Their confinement continued. The food allowance provided by Henry VIII persisted, but Henry was deprived of his tutor and their fate was sealed. So one interesting possibility emerged that Henry Poole the Younger was put forward as a potential spouse for Princess Mary, the daughter of Henry and Catherine of Aragon. The proposal isn't widely known or discussed, but it does carry significant political implications. Henry's status as a potential husband for Princess Mary would have held substantial weight. 
marrying her to a nobleman with Plantagenet blood could have been seen as yet another way to unite the Tudor and Plantagenet line, similarly to Henry VII marrying Elizabeth of York. Reginald Pole may have been one of the key figures advocating for the marriage. Of course, Reginald Pole was completely against the religious reform. By proposing Henry the Pole the Younger as a suitor for Princess Mary, Reginald might have envisioned a scenario in which his family's influence could be restored and the Tudor monarchy brought back to the Catholic faith. The prospect of such a union likely had repercussions for Henry's treatment and his imprisonment. If Henry VIII perceived the marriage proposal as a political threat or an attempt to challenge his authority, it may have contributed to the harsh conditions of Henry Pole's captivity. The king could have viewed Henry as a potential pawn in a larger game of political maneuvering, prompting him to keep the young nobleman under strict confinement. So Henry Pole the Younger did not emerge from the tower. Unlike his contemporary Edward Courtenay, who managed to survive his imprisonment and was eventually released after Mary Tudor's ascension to the throne, young Henry's fate appears much bleaker. The absence of concrete information about Henry's age complicates the matter. Most people seem to think he was born in 1521, but Alison Weir has given some pretty convincing evidence that it wasn't until 1527. The clues suggest, though, that he was in the lower range of adolescence at the time of his arrest and incarceration. His uncle Reginald Pole in later writings described him as the remaining hope of our race, implying that Henry was still quite young when he vanished into the tower's depth. What distinguishes Henry's story from that of Edward Courtenay is the marked difference in their treatment during captivity. The French ambassador wrote in July 1540 that Courtenay is more at large than he was and had a preceptor to teach him lessons, a situation that was significantly less restrictive than Henry Pole's confinement. The French ambassador also noted that Henry was poorly and strictly kept and not desired to know anything. The stark contrast in their imprisonment conditions raises the haunting possibility that Henry Poole the Younger met his end within the tower's walls. The food bills just stopped coming for him, so it's possible it was neglect, harsh treatment, or even starvation. Historical records do not definitively confirm his fate, but the silence around his case speaks volumes. By the time that Mary was queen, she would have surely released him if he had been alive, so we can assume that he was dead by that point. His disappearance remains an unsolved Tudor history mystery, like I said, often overshadowed by the more famous stories of Tudor intrigue and tragedy. His story is a reminder that the Tower of London, with its labyrinthine passages and dark cells, held secrets that were never fully uncovered. So we will leave it there in this discussion of Henry Poole the Younger. I hope it has intrigued you to potentially learn more about him. I think his story is so interesting, so tragic. And that that Pole family, man, they they just had had a run of bad luck. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. We will leave it there for today. Uh, remember to grab a Tudor planner if you want one. Tudorfair.com will get you there. And also check out the YouTube channel if you haven't already. If you're not listening to this on YouTube, go over to YouTube and find me. And go ahead and join the channel if you want to get extra episodes and author chats and other fun things. All right. Thank you so much for listening. And I will talk with you soon. Bye-bye. Blow, northern wind, ascend, little baby sweating. Blow, northern wind, blow, blow, blow. 